Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the Women Wired for Wellness podcast presented by Holistic Icon. I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chalam. This podcast was created to fulfill my obsession for the understanding of why we struggle with symptoms, the science behind them, and the reason why most women suffer for years before they seek solutions for their troubling symptoms. I'm also very passionate about teaching both my patients and people who come in contact with us as it helps me empower myself and them with knowledge. What kind of knowledge are we talking about? The knowledge that our health is probably the one asset we all can control. This control begins with knowing all that has been known about it. It is not simply about knowing a disease and considering medications as the only option, because that might be the only option when you are nearing death. But to truly live a fulfilling life, we need to know how to tap into our innate nature to heal and all the possible qualities, including developing grit, passion, and consistency. If this podcast has helped you or opened your eyes to a different path, please take time to leave a positive review. And if you felt we fell short somehow, would you let us know how to improve it? Now, without any further delay, let's get on with today's podcast. So in this podcast, we delve into what really is polycystic ovarian syndrome. I have found that this diagnosis gets loosely thrown on people for various reasons and um, probably for infertility or menstrual abnormality or painful menstruation. But polycystic ovarian syndrome in the traditional sense has been defined. It requires three major criteria. Number one, there's increased androgens. Androgens are uh, the male hormones. Remember, estrogen is derived from testosterone. So it's very similar to the story in the Bible, right? Adam gives a rib and makes Eve and similarly testosterone makes the estrogen but for that to happen there is a specific enzyme called aromatase now testosterone also can has the option of becoming dihydrotestosterone and before testosterone is derived from the cholesterol the hormone prior to it is called androstenedione so women who have issues with fertility or hair growth on the face need to have their male hormones checked. The second important criteria for polycystic ovarian syndrome is called anovulatory cycle. That means the egg is not produced. Even though the little eggs mature, the final ovum, the egg that needs to get fertilized, does not get released from the ovary. And the reason for that is this hormonal abnormality, the, what we call the LH surge, luteinizing hormone surge, does not happen in women with infertility and having polycystic ovarian syndrome. And the third diagnosis is an ultrasound diagnosis. When you do ultrasound, if they find that multiple eggs are present in your ovaries, and why does that happen? Because they do not get the LH surge, so one egg does not get released into the uterus, and all of these follicles that mature continue to stay. They have a very thick covering, and that's why it's called the pigeon's eggs. So polycystic ovarian syndrome has been defined for centuries, even as early as the Hippocrates 
time, they had women who looked like men, which means they had the facial hair growth and bigger body size and really not very capable of producing babies. That's how it was defined. Even today, it holds true that many of these women who have characteristic or typical polycystic ovarian syndrome do have a problem with fertility. But here's the good news about it. PCOS is not something that you're stuck with, you're cursed with, or you're born with. It is something that you develop. Obviously, you're put at a risk because of certain exposure a woman might have during her months of pregnancy. But even if you are at risk, you, if you're genetically predisposed, one of the things that we need to focus on is how do we reduce insulin resistance. When the weight is gone, insulin resistance goes down, ideally the whole hypothalamic ovarian axis gets reset. So the focus in a functional medical practice for polycystic ovarian syndrome is to work with someone focusing on their internal external stretch stressors and also try and figure out how to convert a lot of the androgens to estrogen. This takes time, first of all, testing, time, and a lot of hard work, but it is feasible. So if you've been diagnosed with this, this might be a video that you can watch on our website, or you could just listen to this podcast and figure out how to work on your insulin resistance. So I just want to create an index of the words that are going to be used in this podcast. Most important are we got to understand the hypothalamus is the brain. It's the main area of the brain that produces the originating hormone. In fact, the hypothalamus, think of it as the thermometer that actually checks the level of your hormones in the body. So if you don't have enough estrogen and progesterone, the hypothalamus produces what is called gonadotropin-releasing hormone. So the gonadotropin-releasing hormone gets the pituitary to produce the two main hormones for the female hormones, which is follicular-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. Follicular stimulating hormone gets all of the eggs to mature in the ovaries and luteinizing hormone gets the eggs to release the ovum or the final egg for fertilization. So luteinizing hormone is a surge that means it goes high at the time or during the ovulation period. Follicular stimulating hormone is required for all these follicles to develop and start growing and maturing the egg. Then you have the progesterone. Progesterone happens in the second half of the menstrual cycle and it is following the LH surge. And progesterone is produced by what is called the corpus luteum. Corpus is the body of the egg that is left behind after the ovum is released into the uterus. So the corpus luteum then kind of dies away. So you have four specific hormones that you will hear repeatedly in this podcast follicular stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone, estrogen, progesterone. You'll also hear of two other words, thecal cells and granulosa cells. Thecal cells, remember the T produces testosterone. Granulosa cells is the place where the testosterone gets converted to estrogen. So those are, a part, those are the words that I think you will come 
across again and again, but just have this as an index as you listen to this podcast. Hopefully this discussion is, uh, it's a short one, by the way, and hopefully it will help you at least think a little differently. And as always, please reach out to us if you have any questions. Without further delay, here's our podcast on polycystic ovarian syndrome. Hi, everyone. Dr. Chellum and Marina from Holistic and Integrative Center of Novi. And today our topic is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, Marina, have you heard of PCOS? I have heard of it. Do you, I, I know you wrote the copy for it. <laughs> so you probably have done that off of Mayo Clinic. So. Yeah. Well, that well. doesn't matter. So here, here's what. These are for women who have to spend all that money either on razors or getting a wax job or trying to get their laser uh, laser out their hair on their face. Or the women, so my um, experience with PCOS, like, I don't think I had any kind of medical knowledge. I remember in high school, my friend had it and just so much pain for Uh, her. Okay, so the menstrual. Now, PCOS sometimes gets uh, thrown out as a diagnosis without specifically Mm. finding out if they have PCOS or they just have um, a difficult menstrual cycle. Now, the difficult menstrual cycle, I would say, is something that a lot of studies have been done. A lot of it is actually um, nutritional. Mm-hmm. But PCOS is also can be nutritional, but we'll get into the nitty-gritty details of that. So, But what we are going to, hopefully what I want you to see is, can you see my board? And hopefully it's not flipped for you. I think it might be straight. Because this is going to be really crucial for today. Yeah, All right. A lesson today. Yeah, today, today I am going to really teach. It may not be as clear. Let's There's see. There's a little if bit of a glare. Yeah, Could we gotta move it over a little bit. I can shut the light off so I don't have to. But anyways, we'll we'll look at it this way. All right. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast, if you want to see the board and actually get a full experience, you can go on our website at holisticicon.com, um, and we actually have a bunch of videos there. So there's a video library link and you can click there and the video of this podcast is going to be there. Absolutely. And it'll take a couple of weeks, but it'll be there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So well, let's start with, before you understand when something is wrong, you got to understand when is it right. And I think if you don't know what is right, you're not going to be able to figure out what is wrong, right? You need mm-hmm. to know what, what, some people come to us and it's very amazing. They say, I didn't feel like I had a problem Till I worked with you and now I see how much I was struggling. Right. You remember? Yeah. So a lot of times you need to know what normalcy is. So let's go over that. Now in this diagram, I'm not a great artist, but this is what I did. So you have the brain. The brain is always your marker, right? It sees, do you have enough hormones? Do you have enough of the right hormones? If you don't, then it kind of sends out those right hormones or uh, asks the rest of the body, whichever part of the body has to produce the hormones, to produce the hormones. So hypothalamus is the first area that will sense whether you have enough of the hormones. And it produces two specific hormones called, this is only pertaining to the ovaries, that's all we're going to talk about, called LH, luteinizing hormone, and FSH, follicular stimulating hormone. And I'll tell you why this is important. That's the end of my knowledge, by the way. LH and FSH, that's all I know. That's good enough. But what you need to understand is LH and FSH comes from the pituitary. So the hypothalamus 
produces what is called the gonadotropin-releasing hormone. Release your gonadotropin. So anything the gonads would be your reproductive system. You want, it tells you, please release a specific hormone. So the pituitary produces what is called the follicular-stimulating hormone. And this thing that looks like a Tesla symbol, I remember when I was driving, when I was <laughs> driving it, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Tesla's pres- actually very feminist, apparently. I just hope Elon Musk doesn't come across this video (laughs) because I don't think he's going to like that. The fact that his symbol actually looks like the uterus with two ovaries, Mm, but that's what, (laughs) that's what this is. I I love the symbol. So here you can see the two ovaries. Now I've enlarged the egg. And one of the reasons I did this before we got got onto the podcast is I didn't want to waste your time drawing it. So let me go into what happens is, the menstrual cycle starts on the first day of menstruation for women, right? That's mm-hmm. your first day. During the first few days, right up till 10, 11, what happens is your estrogen starts rising. How does the estrogen start rising? Because the follicular stimulating hormone gives a message to the ovary saying, hey, we need you to produce some eggs. We need some eggs. It's the time for ovulation, right? Getting us ready for reproduction. Now, 10 to 20 eggs actually start maturing altogether. This is, this is where the survival of the fittest really happens. So the FSH gets into the egg uh, ovaries and makes them produce 10 to uh, 20. And they start maturing at different rates. One particular egg becomes dominant the rest of them just die out. Wow, we're so special. I'm telling you that one special egg will survive. Now, when it matures enough, it releases the egg or the ovum. Mm-hmm. Now, if that egg gets fertilized, then whatever is remaining becomes the uh, structure that produces the progesterone. It's, and this is where you will start. It'll either support the embryo and the progesterone and the estrogen, it'll support the embryo or it just dies out. It becomes what is called the corpus luteum. Corpus means body luteum. So it gets uh, completely scarred. And that's how, that's how people have a lot of different eggs in their ovaries. So when they wow. have that pain, it's multiple uh, eggs are maturing, multiple cysts are there, only one goes out and some of them just persist and cause a lot of inflammation. And that comes from a hormonal abnormality in the cycle. So let's look at what exactly happens. So the follicle-stimulating hormone starts increasing the estrogen. The estrogen gets to a peak. And here's the funny thing about follicle-stimulating hormone. It's like that friend of yours that works with you all the way and then the last minute just drops (laughs) off, right? When it withdraws, the estrogen withdraws. It leaves you on the stage with your pants off. Yeah, basically, that's what happens. But... What requires the egg to be released is this thing called the luteinizing hormone. There's a sudden surge, the egg gets released, and if that surge is not there, you have what is called an anovulatory cycle. That means you don't produce an egg. This is one of the commonest problems with infertility, which we will be talking about in the next couple of weeks with one of our uh, colleagues. But the luteinizing hormone, that surge is not there. That's a huge disruption. Mm-hmm. But what today we're going to talk about polycystic ovarian. 
And then the estrogen begins to fall. But as the estrogen, remember this corpus luteum takes mm -hmm. over, it starts producing progesterone. But see, towards the end of the cycle, all of these hormones have gone down. What is this? What has to happen here? They all have to be cleared out of the body. Is this when women are not crazy? Is in those two days right there? Those two <laughs> days. But if they don't clear, then they're going to be crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. And where does the clearance take place in our big detox organ, which is the liver? Yeah. So if the liver is disrupted, then all of this clearance and you can see why women are crazy. So many hormones go up and down mm -hmm. and one depends on the other. And then eventually if they don't get cleared because there's something wrong with your liver then you land up having hormonal dysfunction. Well, all right. Drinking wine, screwing up our liver getting those moody things and yeah. and then you start gaining weight in a specific way or have um and, and i think the bigger challenge is polycystic ovarian remember anything with the syndrome means there are three uh, there are specific criteria and there are three things that have to happen number one is hair growth mm -hmm. and you have the male pattern hair growth which means you have a mustache your beard the chest hair uh, hair about the uh, pubic area and the thigh and the arms you, and then even in the back and very advanced cases even in the back. Mm. The second one is the anovulation. That means the LH surge is not there. The ovaries do not um, come out. And the third one is insulin resistance. You do oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not even insulin. It's actually an ultrasound, uh, ultrasound um, picture of the ovaries and that's described as the pigeon's egg. Oh, Sorry. That's where that pigeon egg is from. Yes. So when they do the ultrasound, they call it. So it has been um, defined all the way back from the Hippocrates era uh -huh. saying, hey, these women that have look very masculine and cannot have babies, they were called mm -hmm. a specific, I, I can't remember what the name was, but that's how it was. It has been defined for years. Now, this is very important. This is, this is the part that becomes very important. When you have hair growth and you are infertile, you have to be making sure there is no tumor on the ovaries that's producing testosterone that's causing this disruption, Okay, number one. And there's no tumor in the adrenals that's causing the disruption. Mm -hmm. So always make sure that pathology is cleared. If there's no tumor, then you have to look at where is the dysfunction. And this is what we're going to get into. So... Having said that there are multiple hormones, remember the hypothalamus, the brain gets a signal saying, hey, we don't have enough estrogen or progesterone. It produces a follicular stimulating hormone, follicular stimulating hormone gets about 10 to 20 eggs all maturing at the same time. And then the um, uh, most, the fittest of the egg will mm -hmm. be able to mature to, uh, we call it the ripening of the egg, which is kind of like a fruit. <laughs> I, I don't know why. And then it pulls out the, uh, uh, it gives out the egg and that egg gets into the uterus to get fertilized. If it doesn't get fertilized, then the remaining portion of the egg just dies out. And during this process, you have FSH, you have the LH, you have estrogen on one arm and progesterone on the other mm -hmm. arm. It's as simple as that, right? Now, where does all this happen? And where how were you three years ago? And I had to study this <laughs> trying to figure out what the hell are all these hormones. Right. Yeah. So they, they have, it's almost like an orchestrated mm -hmm. uh, band, right? If one of them is out of tune, 
your system is out of tune. So you have to see what is it that creates the system to get out of tune. So let's look at where the hormones get formed to begin with. It all starts with cholesterol. This is why you hear most of the times in the functional medical world or in the holistic world, hey, don't bring your cholesterol down. You're not going to be making enough of your hormones. And that is really a false statement. Cholesterol is made in virtually every cell in your body. The cholesterol with the cholesterol-lowering medicines, what we are trying to reduce is the one that's produced in the liver, mm-hmm. predominantly in the liver. Some people, it goes into their brain, but predominantly in the liver. So the body, even with a very low cholesterol, can make its own cholesterol in its cells and create these hormones. Okay, so having said that, what are the steps that go into the production of these hormones? The main hormones we're going to talk about is testosterone, estrogen, the progesterone, and then we're going to do the dihydrotestosterone uh, uh, also, which is another form of testosterone, but we'll get into how this happens. So cholesterol is formed in your cells. And this is one of the reasons why when you eat a high cholesterol diet, you don't necessarily get a high cholesterol because we don't absorb the cholesterol into our blood. It, we only absorb what is called triglycerides, mm-hmm. chylomicrons. So cholesterol is made in every cell. Now, the next step is it becomes pregnenolone. Now, pregnenolone is like the parent hormone that can go two different directions, one into the uh, sex hormones and the other into your stress hormones, Mm -hmm. two S's, right? So it becomes either a progesterone or DHEA. And now the DHEA becomes this one more step. We'll just call it andro. Andro means anything to do with male, and that becomes testosterone. Testosterone has two ways to go. It becomes a female hormone or it becomes dihydrotestosterone. Now, this one requires an enzyme called aromatase. Ooh, connections. Uh, yes, aromatase. And this aromatase, you know how to make the inhibit the aromatase is to re, uh, um, eat a raw onion every day. So if you eat a raw onion, you can get a high testosterone level in case you want to increase your testosterone. That's not what we're talking about. You're also going to lose a lot of friends. That's true. I mean, but men love it, right? They Oh, that's true. With the onions, you mean. Maybe, we should, maybe there is a pill on the onions. Yeah. So I want to uh, pull up, like, I want to make sure I give you the definition of um, ovarian. This is from the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development. It says clinical biochemical signs of hyperandrogenesis. That is the DH, um, the testosterone levels are high. Um, no ovulation. That means there's no LH surge and then um, addition of the ultrasound criteria of having those multiple follicles. So if you have all those three. So infertility, you do have to have infertility. Oh, PCOS is one of the commonest reasons for infertility. Right. But that's a requirement to be diagnosed with PCOS or no? No, PCOS is one of the many reasons for infertility, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's just one of the many reasons. But people get told that they have PCOS if they have just little hair growth and it could very well be. And here's the part that's very important. It actually is uh, reversible and we can actually resolve it. It's not, you know, what do people come and say, hey, it runs in my family. My mother had it. My grandmother had it. But obviously if they were able to get pregnant, it wasn't severe PCOS. Something improved their fertility. But yes, a lot of people with PCOS will have an infertility issues, mm-hmm. but not everybody with infertility will have PCOS. Right. Does yep. that make sense? Yep. Okay. 
All right. So one of the things that happens now when you can see this process, like I said, one is progesterone and the DHEA. What happens to the progesterone? It can become cortisol or mineralocorticosteroid, right? And when it goes into here, it becomes testosterone. The testosterone decides which direction it can go. Mm-hmm. What they found is coming back to this ovary, each of this, remember I've written a black circle and a green. The outside is called the thecal cell. The inside is called the granulosa. The granulosa is the one that makes the estrogen. The outside cell provides the testosterone, Mm. all right? So the testosterone has to get into the granulosa. The aromatase has to convert it to estrogen. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. In a lot of people with PCOS, this theca is so thick. That's where the pigeon's egg comes, Mm -hmm. and it's producing so much of testosterone and not enough estrogen is being made in the granulosa. So you're getting like nodules almost. You're getting thick ovum, thick eggs, Uh pretty much. Now, why does that happen? What they found is we also have on this, just to make it more complex, (laughs) we also have insulin receptors. Oh, yeah. So remember, when you have, I've said this in my hormone um, uh, seminars, in my thyroid seminars, when you have insulin resistance, you do have menstrual abnormalities very, very early in life. These are the children that would have hypoglycemia, would have menstrual, very scant menstruation. And uh, because it's um, kind of um, no egg is being released, usually they're painless, painless, almost scant menstrual breeding, but they start growing hair the minute they attain menarche, which is their very first period. That's very characteristic of polycystic ovarian. But these insulin receptors, what they find is if insulin cannot work, if there's a resistance to it, this conversion of the testosterone to estrogen also gets inhibited. Mm -hmm. We still don't know what is the connection, but we find that all of these people with PCOS do have insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. And once if we figure out what is that connection, it'll be so much easier to come up with I'm sure a drug, but actually a long-term solution, right? What they also find is when people lose weight, when the insulin resistance goes off, the ovulation takes place, the whole system begins to work. Mm -hmm. So we have to somehow address the insulin resistance in a lot of these people. And you know, when people come to our programs, that's one of the things we do, right? We look at the hydroadenitis, we look at hair growth, we look at a difficulty getting pregnant, mm-hmm. all of those things. We put it together, we try to do the um, testing to determine, hey, are you having too much of your testosterone, not having enough of estrogen? Are you producing um, proteins that bind to these hormones? These are the things that we delve into and see what do we need to do as the next steps. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not, so you can see here, if somebody is not converting the testosterone to estrogen by giving them estrogen, we're not doing them any favors. Right. Because their cycle is completely disrupted. And now that's why a lot of women don't get pregnant unless you look at the whole system and say, how can I remove that insulin resistance? So what puts a woman at risk for polycystic ovarian syndrome? Remember in functional medicine, our history begins very, very early. We ask, hey, when your mother was pregnant with you, how was our health? Mm -hmm. That becomes really crucial. 
Let's say a young woman has a lot of libido issues and she decides she's going to take a DHEA energy and she's going to take some kind of a natural supplement to raise her androgens and she gets pregnant. That baby is at a high risk. If it's a female child, it's at a high risk for polycystic ovarian. So okay. you don't want the early uh, trimester of the pregnant woman, she should not be uh, exposed to anything that can potentially increase or disrupt her androgens. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, one of the uh, common reasons why people have polycystic. And the other one is, of course, if you have insulin resistance, automatically there seems to be a lot of disruption and that puts you at a risk too. Probably if the mom had gestational diabetes, that would put them at increased Absolutely. Risk In fact, well. gestational diabetes is one of the risks. So when you really look at it, um, let me uh, make sure I get everything in for you guys. There is impaired glucose tolerance also, not just gestational diabetes, but if their GTT actually fails, I can see it. Thank you, Jenny. If the GTT glucose tolerance test, which we actually do for most pregnant women, mm -hmm. especially with the very first trimester, if that they feel they find this impaired glucose tolerance, then of course they are at a higher risk. If there is a decrease in what is called sex hormone binding globulin. Remember, this is produced in the liver. If there's a problem with the liver, it doesn't produce enough of this hormone. There's an overabundance of a lot of these hormones, and then the brain just shuts down. Mm -hmm. It's exactly like, you know, the, our cells are just like us. If somebody nags us, we just shut it <laughs> off, right? And it shuts down if there's too many free hormones floating. And then they also find if you have a lot of inflammation, high-sensitive C-reactive protein is high, you're at a higher risk for developing insulin resistance and polycystic ovarian syndrome. And all of these things are always connected between your liver, insulin resistance, and inflammation. I mean, inflammation, they all work yes. together. And I think that's the key thing that we always try to um, let people know through our educational seminars is don't look at it as something that only... Um, you know, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. That is not an isolated occurrence. It is a part of your systemic problem. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you have um, a disruption in how many, um, in uh, you know, whether you have a fertility issue or a hair growth issue or high blood sugars or low blood sugars too, mm -hmm. get your biochemistry evaluated and see where might be the very first domino that fell. And that's where the history of the mother and pregnancy. So everybody, you know, most of our patients, when they come in their 50s, are like, got to call my 80-year-old <laughs> mom and ask her if she, I don't think she mentioned anything. But that becomes very important because that is where I think we find, if I can address insulin resistance, and I think that's one thing we're very good at, mm -hmm. we can resolve a lot of the hormonal issues. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, we're so used to thinking like PCOS, oh, there's something wrong with my ovaries. And it's manifesting in your ovaries, but the issue exactly. is way upstream. And that's where the genetics come. Mm -hmm. So it runs in families because remember what happens with genetics, your weakest link, whatever is your weakest spot is where you will develop the disease. So if my family has a history of rheumatoid arthritis, when I'm stressed, my, when my body's broken, Mm -hmm. I'm going to manifest with rheumatoid arthritis. Right. So whatever is your genetic uh, risk, 
then if your environment creates this disruption and if this this board looks completely disrupted right now. <laughs> but if it causes this disruption, that's when you land up with a disease. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So I'm going to wrap it up with uh, summarizing what happens. The brain gets the information on the levels of the hormones. It produces two specific hormones in women called, and also in men, luteinizing hormone and follicular-stimulating hormone. The follicular-stimulating hormone stimulates the follicles, which are the eggs. That's what they're called. Of the 10, 20 eggs, only one will survive. And that one that produces the, releases the egg for fertilization, either can, it becomes what is called the corpus luteum that produces the progesterone, but for this release of the egg, you need what is called the luteinizing hormonal surge. If that surge doesn't happen and it doesn't happen when you have too much of testosterone. Mm-hmm. And the testosterone is provided by the outer membrane into the inner membrane that produces the estrogen. Testosterone has two ways to go. It becomes estrogen in women. A majority of it becomes estrogen or DHT, which is another form of testosterone. In people with polycystic ovarian syndrome, this aromatase, for some reason, is not working, and it is connected to insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. And so if there's insulin resistance, you tend to accumulate more testosterone and DHT, more than you need, and then you start looking like a guy, and you don't make enough estrogen. And if you don't in- make enough estrogen, then you have a problem. The other problem that can happen is uh, the sex hormone binding globulin may not be enough made in the liver there's too many of the hormones the brain just shuts off the cycle and when that rhythm goes away you land up having infertility issues and polycystic ovarian syndrome and of course if you just have glucose intolerance or poor uh, metabolic um, issues because of insulin resistance that also leads to polycystic ovarian syndrome mm-hmm. and then the other thing that we didn't quite touch on is it all starts in the brain and yeah. if you're stressed, it, I think any disease process begins in the brain, mm-hmm. right? And how, and I don't think there's a way anybody can live life unless they are um, like monks and have learned to detach themselves from the world because everything really causes stress. Yeah. How do you manage stress? Mm-hmm. And once you learn how to manage stress and you ris- your response to stress is different, your hormones actually work in sync. And that's why you'll see it among teenagers. I think having two teenage kids, I find that stress plays a huge, huge, humongous role in their health. And they bring on their stress because the world they live in is very, very stressful right now. The competition, the social media, and it's very difficult for them to understand that they can choose their own path. So I think uh, literally what I find when people come, we have to delve into their biochemistry. Why do we do blood tests and saliva tests? So I can connect, uh, we can connect our patients to their um, problems and then we can address their stress. That's why we have a life coach, we have a nutrition Mm -hmm. coach, and then we do the very detailed testing because if you don't know all of this and you're just taking replacing hormones and then getting your hormones checked, or just taking a bunch of supplements, you're never getting to resolve it. There's no difference between supplements, hormones, and medications. Just because one is natural, it doesn't mean it's the right thing. And remember, I I think I told you about my recent experience where we had my genetics uh, explained on a podcast. And what happened is I went and bought the supplements 
to help my estrogen clear out. Remember, this clearing out mm-hmm. was not happening because I had a genetic trait where my liver could not convert the estrogen. And I took a little too many supplements and landed up with a headache. Yeah. So supplements are not completely benign. You really need to know what you're doing. And if you don't, and if you don't know your body, you might actually be wasting a lot of time and money. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay. And if there are any questions, I will be happy to answer. I mean, I try to simplify a very uh, complex issue, but that's what I try to do this so is, people understand. Uh, PCOS 101. Yeah, I know. This is like the basic PCOS, uh, just understanding how the hormonal cycle can get disrupted. I don't think we have too many questions. No, no. And half the time we cannot see the questions when we're <laughs> live and once we shut off, we see the questions. So we're not ignoring you. We just don't know how to use technology. So remember, guys, I will answer the questions if I see them. But again, if um, if you remember, share this video with friends who might be struggling with it and doing the wrong things for themselves by just taking um, you know, hormones and supplements. Make sure you like our Facebook page, this Nishra Chalam MD. Make sure you download our videos and please review our podcast. That's the only way we can put out these things. And of course, if you feel like, hey, you know what? I, this was not good enough information. Let us know that too. And I will be, I'll try to make it real. Marina always tells me you give way too much information. You're confusing people. You're confusing so, me. <laughs> I know. That's true. So I'm trying to get it as simple as possible. And hopefully I've made it very simple. Just remember, you don't, you don't want to have more testosterone than you need. Yep. And for that, your liver, your body, your mind has to be clean. Does mm-hmm. that make it? How much more simple can I make it? Right. Well, so next, or not next week, in two weeks, we'll actually be having Dr. John Bartimus on with us yes um, and we'll really delve into the whole fertility and fertility issue absolutely step one step two and take it a little bit further at least you now you know how the hormones work so when you watch the infertility podcast i think it's gonna all make sense yeah all right for that one well thank you so much guys for joining us and we'll talk to you at the next podcast all right bye-bye bye all then if you've listened to this podcast fully I would like to hope you have gained some new knowledge, a different way of thinking, and have benefited from it. If so, would you please do me a favor and share this with your family and friends? I do, however, want to mention that nothing that is stated in this podcast or written in the show notes should be construed as medical advice. We would like you as an individual to seek your medical advice from your specific provider. Our goal has all along been to dig into some existing truths, try and make it simple, so we all have a better understanding of our options out there to live fulfilling lives. It may be also prudent for me to mention the obvious here that no doctor-patient relationship was ever formed. In closing, I am grateful that you joined us and please do not forget to leave a review or share this info. Signing off till next time, I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chalam.